It's time now for the complete story, a public news and information feature of Bot Radio Network to keep you informed about the most important issues of our day. Now here's the BRN father and son team, Dick and Rich Bot, with today's complete story. You know, man alive, Rich. Uh, here we are. Here we are now, moving, moving very soon. We're we're almost out of October, and then into November. Can you imagine the time passes so quickly? But the fall of the year is when the kids, the children, the little ones go back to school, hopefully to learn something, hopefully to be under the tutelage of a teacher that wants to love them and guide them and inspire them and that sort of thing. And yet, look what's happening in Chicago. Look what's happening in Chicago. For goodness sake, if the teachers wanted to close down the whole school system, in Chicago, why do it when the kids now have no place to go? Right. Why not? Why not do it during the summertime? Well, or some other time. I mean, are we thinking about the children, folks? Are we thinking about the kids? I tell you, that isn't on the mind. That isn't on the mind of very, very many other people. Tennessee Ernie Ford recorded a song many, many years ago, and you think about it. And uh, just think of what the Bible says about it, caring about somebody else. And, uh, and this is what the song was. If I can help somebody as I go along. If I can cheer a stranger with a word or a song. If I can show some traveler that he's going wrong, then my living shall not be in vain. Then my living shall not be in vain. Then my living shall not be in vain If I can help somebody as I go along Then my living shall not be in vain Then my living shall not be in vain. Oh, don't you, don't you, don't you love that? It's kind of a haunting song. It really goes deep, doesn't it? It does, and that's a voice from the past, yeah. isn't it? Well, it is, it is. But the but the words that are in that song and the way he sings it are just as true, just as true as the time when he made that recording. Right. And now getting into this uh, Chicago um, strike, the teachers, they say, no, we don't care about the kids or the whole, the whole mechanism. And I tell you what, we're just not picking on Chicago. You take the city, you t- go out to California for heaven's sake, or you take any city where you live. The public school system is in a mess because everyone is thinking about who, Rich, who are they thinking about themselves? 
All too often. You better believe it. All too often. I tell you what, it's called selfish. Right. And that's it's the, not self-service. I mean, And that's the opposite of the greatest commandment, yeah. which is to love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and your and others as yourself. Yeah. And, and you know, the, the Bible teaches us, folks, that you take care of the widows. Now, those are the ones whose husbands have died and their, their means of support. They don't have that anymore. You take care of the widows and you take care— of the of, of the children, the widows, the orphans, and the halt. Those are your senior citizens, Rich. That's my that's my group, and the lame. Those are the crippled people. You take care of the widows, the orphans, the halt, and the lame, and the rest. Why, for goodness' sake, if the children have a, the benefit of getting into a good school, to give them a dream and give them the joy of learning and the joy of knowing things and looking up to people and having role models in their life and then being involved in a good church. Mm-hmm. Now, Dennis Prager, mm. why he had a little short speech here. as uh, so He was a high school principal. Let's hear this now. If every high school principal gave the following speech, America would be a much better place. To the students and faculty of our high school, I am your new principal and honored to be so. There is no greater calling than to teach young people. I would like to apprise you of some important changes coming to our school. First, this school will no longer honor race or ethnicity. I could not care less if you are black, brown, red, yellow, or white. I could not care less if your origins are African, European, Latin American, or Asian, or if your ancestors arrived here on the Mayflower or on slave ships. The only identity this school will recognize is your individual identity, your character, your scholarship, your humanity. And the only national identity this school will recognize is American. This is an American public school and American public schools were created to make better Americans. If you wish to affirm here an ethnic or racial identity or a national identity other than American, you will have to attend another school. This includes after-school clubs. I will not authorize clubs that divide students based on identities such as race, ethnicity, sexual orientation, or whatever else may become in vogue in our society. Those clubs cultivate narcissism, an unhealthy preoccupation with the self, while the purpose of education is to get you to think beyond yourself. The school's clubs will be based on interests and passions, clubs that transport you to the wonders and glories of art, music, astronomy, languages you do not already speak, and more. If the only extracurricular activities you can imagine being interested in are those based on ethnicity, race, or sexual identity, that means that little outside of yourself really interests you. Second, I do not care whether English is your native language. My only interest in terms of language is that you leave this school speaking and writing English as fluently as possible. The English language has united America's citizens for over 200 years, and it will unite us at this school. Furthermore, I would be remiss in my duty to ensure that you will be prepared to successfully compete in the job market 
if you leave this school without excellent English language skills. We will learn other languages here. It's deplorable that most Americans only speak English. But if you want classes taught in your native language rather than in English, this is not the right school for you. Third, because I regard learning as a sacred endeavor, everything in this school will reflect learning's elevated status. This means, among other things, that you and your teachers will dress accordingly. There will be a dress code at this school. And you will address all teachers by their title, not by their first name. They are your teachers, not your pals. Fourth, no obscene language will be tolerated anywhere on this school's property. By obscene language, I mean the words banned on radio and television, plus epithets such as the B-word, even when addressed by one girl to another, or the N-word, even when used by one black student to another. It is my intent that by the time you leave this school, you will be among the few your age to distinguish between the elevated and the degraded, the holy and the obscene. Fifth. We will end all self-esteem programs. In this school, self-esteem will be attained in only one way. The only way self-esteem can be attained, by earning it. One immediate consequence is that graduating classes will have one valedictorian, not eight. Sixth and last. I am reorienting the school toward academics and away from politics and propaganda. No more time will be devoted to racism, sexism, Islamophobia, homophobia, global warming, tobacco, or gender identity. No more classes will be devoted to condom wearing and teaching you to regard sexual relations as no more than a health issue. And there will be no more attempts to convince you that you are a victim because you are not white or male or heterosexual or Christian. This school will have failed if any of you graduate without considering him or herself inordinately lucky. Lucky to be alive and lucky to be an American. Now please stand and join me in the Pledge of Allegiance to the flag of our country. As many of you do not know the words, your teachers will hand them out to you. Man Alive Rich, now if every student in Chicago or in California or or in Kansas City or Nashville, wherever it is the Bot Radio Network is heard, if every school had a principal uh, that could address the students that way and stand behind it. But listen now, here's another one. Red Skelton uh, gave us the Pledge of Allegiance. Here it is. I, me, an individual, a committee of one, pledge, dedicate all of my worldly goods to give without self-pity, allegiance, my love and my devotion to the flag, our standard, O oh glory, a symbol of freedom, wherever she waves, there's respect, because your loyalty has given her a dignity that shouts freedom is everybody's job. United. That means that we have all come together. States. 
individual communities that have united into 48 great states. 48 individual communities with pride and dignity and purpose. All divided with imaginary boundaries, yet united to a common purpose. And that's love for country. And to the Republic, Republic, a state in which sovereign power is invested in representatives chosen by the people to govern. And government is the people, and it's from the people to the leaders, not from the leaders to the people, for which it stands. One nation, one nation, meaning so blessed by God, indivisible, incapable of being divided, with liberty, which is freedom, the right of power to live one's own life without threats, fear, or some sort of retaliation, and justice, the principle or qualities of dealing fairly with others, for all, for all which means, boys and girls, it's as much your country as it is mine. And now, boys and girls, let me hear you recite the Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Since I was a small boy, two states have been added to our country, and two words have been added to the Pledge of Allegiance, under God. Wouldn't it be a pity if someone said that is a prayer, and that would be eliminated from schools, too? Yeah. Now, Rich, both you and I, at various times, have been able to be in the Supreme Court chambers, and you see, what do you see up over where the justices sit? A representation of the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments. Folks, did you know that? The Ten Commandments in the Supreme Court are posted there. Now listen, listen what Dennis Prager says about the Ten Commandments. Here it is. No document in world history so changed the world for the better as did the Ten Commandments. Western civilization, the civilization that developed universal human rights, created women's equality, ended slavery, created parliamentary democracy, among other unique achievements, would not have developed without them. As you will see when each of the Ten Commandments is explained, these commandments are as relevant today as when they were given over 3,000 years ago. In fact, they're so relevant that the Ten Commandments are all that is necessary to make a good world a world free of tyranny and cruelty. Imagine for a moment a world in which there was no murder or theft. In such a world, there would be no need for armies or police or weapons. Men and women and children could walk anywhere at any time of day or night without any fear of being killed or robbed. Imagine further a world in which no one coveted what belonged to their neighbor, a world in which children honored their mother and father and the family unit thrived. 
A world in which people obeyed the injunction not to lie. The recipe for a good world is all there in these 10 sublime commandments. But there is a catch. The Ten Commandments are predicated on the belief that they were given by an authority higher than any man, any king, or any government. That's why the sentence preceding the Ten Commandments asserts the following. God spoke all these words. You see, if the Ten Commandments, as great as they are, were given by any human authority, then any person could say, who is this man Moses? Who is this king or queen? Who is this government to tell me how I should behave? Okay, so why is God indispensable to the Ten Commandments? Because, to put it as directly as possible, if it isn't God who declares murder wrong, murder isn't wrong. Yes, this strikes many people today as incomprehensible, even absurd. Many of you are thinking, is this guy saying you can't be a good person if you don't believe in God? Let me respond as clearly as possible. I am not saying that. Of course there are good people who don't believe in God, just as there are bad people who do. And many of you are also thinking, I believe murder is wrong, I don't need God to tell me. Now that response is only half true. I have no doubt that if you're an atheist, and you say that you believe murder is wrong, you believe murder is wrong. But forgive me, you do need God to tell you. We all need God to tell us. You see, even if you figured out murder is wrong on your own, without God and the Ten Commandments, how do you know it's wrong? Not believe it's wrong, I mean know it's wrong. The fact is, you can't. Because without God, right and wrong are just personal beliefs, personal opinions. I think shoplifting is okay, you don't. Unless there is a God, all morality is just opinion and belief. And virtually every atheist philosopher has acknowledged this. Another problem with the view that you don't need God to believe that murder is wrong is, a lot of people haven't shared your view. And you don't have to go back very far in history to prove this. In the 20th century, millions of people in communist societies and under Nazism killed about 100 million people. And that doesn't count a single soldier killed in war. So don't get too confident about people's ability to figure out right from wrong without a higher authority. It's all too easy to be swayed by a government or a demagogue or an ideology or to rationalize that the wrong you're doing isn't really wrong. And even if you do figure out what is right and wrong, God is still necessary. People who know the difference between right and wrong do the wrong thing all the time. You know why? Because they can. They can because they think no one is watching. But if you recognize that God is the source of moral law, you believe that he is always watching. So even if you're an atheist, you would want people to live by the moral laws of the Ten Commandments. And even an atheist has to admit that the more people who believe God gave them, and therefore they are not just opinion, the better the world would be. In 3,000 years, no one has ever come up with a better system 
than the God-based Ten Commandments for making a better world, and no one ever will. You see, what caused this program today, Rich, is because I was just, I was just brokenhearted to think the kids in Chicago are just running loose in the streets because the teachers and the school system, which is pretty bad to start with, are closed up where the kids don't even have a chance to go to school. Wouldn't it be wonderful if every child in every school, certainly every public school, um, could know what Dennis Brager is talking about? Right, and to be able to go to a school like the one he was pretending to be principal of. Now listen, folks, we hear a lot about the left and the right, the left and the right, the right and the left, who is right, and so on and so forth. Here's Dennis Prager once again to explain it to you. Here it is. A major difference between the right and the left concerns the way each seeks to improve society. Conservatives believe that the way to a better society is almost always through the moral improvement of the individual, by each person doing battle with his or her own weaknesses and flaws. It is true that in violent and evil societies such as fascist, communist, or Islamist tyrannies, the individual must be preoccupied with battling outside forces. Almost everywhere else though, certainly in a free and decent country such as America, the greatest battle of the individual must be with inner forces, that is, with his or her moral failings. The left, on the other hand, believes that the way to a better society is almost always through doing battle with society's moral failings. Thus, in America, the left concentrates its efforts on combating sexism, racism, intolerance, xenophobia, homophobia, Islamophobia, and the many other evils that the left believes permeate American society. One important consequence of this left-right distinction is that those on the left are far more preoccupied with politics than those on the right. Since the left is so much more interested in fixing society than in fixing the individual, politics inevitably becomes the vehicle for societal improvement. That's why whenever the term activist is used, we almost always assume that the term refers to someone on the left. Another consequence of this left-right difference is that since conservatives believe society has changed one person at a time, they accept that change happens gradually. This isn't fast enough for the left, which is always and everywhere focused on social revolution. An excellent example of this was a statement by the then presidential candidate Barack Obama just days before his first election in 2008. To a rapturous audience, he declared, we are five days away from fundamentally transforming the United States of America. Conservatives not only have no interest in fundamentally transforming the United States of America, they are strongly opposed to doing so. Conservatives understand that fundamentally transforming any society that isn't fundamentally bad, not to mention transforming what is one of the most decent societies in history, can only make the society worse. Conservatives believe that America can be improved, but should not be transformed, let alone fundamentally transformed. The founders of the United States recognized that the transformation that every generation must work on is the moral transformation of each citizen. 
Thus, character development was at the core of both child-rearing and of young people's education from elementary school through college. As John Adams, the second president, said, our Constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate to the government of any other. And in the words of Benjamin Franklin, only a virtuous people are capable of freedom. Why is that? Because freedom requires self-control. The freer the society, the more self-control is necessary. If the majority of people don't control themselves, the state, meaning an ever more powerful government, will have to control them. From the founding of the United States until the 1960s, schools and parents concentrated on character education. But with the ascent of left-wing ideas, character education has all but disappeared from American schools. Instead, children are taught not to focus on their flaws, but on America's. Social issues have replaced character education. An example is a new K-12 science curriculum, the next generation of science standards, which will teach young Americans starting in kindergarten about global warming. And when they get to college, American young people will be taught about the need to fight economic inequality, white privilege, and the alleged rape culture on their campuses. Ironically, if there really is a rape culture that permeates American college campuses, the only reason would have to be that there was so little character education in our schools, or for that matter, at home. Fathers and religion, historically the two primary conveyors of self-control, are non-existent in the lives of millions of American children. We are now producing vast numbers of Americans who are passionate about fixing America while doing next to nothing about fixing their own character. Oh, man, Rich. Listen, I want our listeners to hear this quick listener comment, and we'll be right back. Hello. I love all you guys, and your ministries have helped me a great deal in my life and exponentially helped my spiritual growth. Thanks. Listen, Rich, give the phone number quickly. Yes, listener comment line, 1-800-345-2621. one 800 Three four five two six two one. Okay, we've tried to put a lot into this program, but but I hope you enjoyed it. This is Dick Bott with my son Rich on this chapter of the complete story as a public service for you folks. Mm-hmm.